Listener Production. A massive addition for the Footy Talk Pod on your Thursday. Hawthorne fans, get excited. Will Day in the studio asking all the questions, talking Sam Mitchell and the handover from Clarkson, who he follows around, his teammates, his housemates, plus much, much more. This is the Footy Talk Podcast coming up next. Yes, it is Footy Talk Thursday, August 10, your daily dose of footy, the latest news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. As I just teased there in the intro, Hawks fans and footy fans, get excited because wandering in the studio on your Thursday is the young rising star superstar to be, Will Day from the Hawthorne Footy Club. Will, thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me, Daisy. Good to be here. We'll start with the fact that you got drafted and then you went straight into a hub. Now... I'm sure when you get drafted, it's a very exciting time in your life, but then to be thrown straight into a hub must have been a decent enough curveball. Yeah, I think for me, um, it wasn't too bad because I'm moving away from family anyway. So to go um, into a hub with all the boys at the club, it probably helped me just to get to know everyone. And you're playing table tennis every night with the boys and I'm still this young, energetic 18-year-old. So... For me, it was all right, but the older guys with kids, um, yeah, probably didn't enjoy it as much as I did. It is a good point. I didn't think of it that way. There were a fast-tracking process it would have been just to interact with everyone because usually as the draftees, you're sort of set off to the side in your own little groups. But are you any good at table tennis? Yeah, I, I did rate myself before getting to the club, but then you go in and realise that everyone else is pretty naturally gifted at other sports <laughs> as well. So, um, yeah, there was a bit of competition in there. So a Hawks fan growing up then? Yeah, Hawks and uh, my cousin's up at Gold Coast as yep. well, so followed them a bit as well. So, yeah, between the two of them. Your grandfather did play in the 71 flag? Yeah. That's nice yep. to be back at the club. Are you in his number? Yeah, wearing his number. So after my first year, um, Clarko was pretty keen to get me into it when James Frawley retired. So, um, yeah, it was pretty nice touch. You come into a footy club and you have a coach like Alistair Clarkson. What were your biggest learnings from him in the early part? Yeah, it was pretty cool to come in and yeah have one of arguably the best coaches in history as your coach. And um, for me, probably just the systems involved and he was always just thinking about ways um, to improve how we went on field but also off field as well. He was really big on not just developing the player but the person as well. So as a young guy coming in, it was a great start for me to be involved with him. Do you study away from footy or do you do? Yeah, I'm at uni. Um, I've chopped and changed a little bit, but (laughs) I'm doing IT at the moment, which, yeah, it's pretty full on. But, yeah, it's something. For someone who played football so they didn't have to go to uni, that was my whole reason to get away from schooling. (laughs) What does an IT degree or course look like? Um, This one's pretty broad. I've learned a bit about programming um, and then just sort of network and telecommunications and things like that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of big words that probably (laughs) make it sound a bit fancier than what it is, but, yeah. Are you a modern-day gamer? Are you in that sort of space? Um, I wouldn't say I'm a gamer. I do play, but I'm definitely not at someone like James Sicily's level. He's pretty hectic on it. 
is does he get paid to game? Is this what I've heard? There was a period where he was doing pretty well. Um, I think when the AFL Gamers was up and running, and then he was also streaming on the side of that. So yeah, he was a bit, which was nice for him because he was just gaming flat out anyway. So to get some money on the side for it would have been nice for him. I, I love James Sisley. I've had a, a few interactions with him. I still feel that he's largely misunderstood by the outside world. I think we still look back to when he was a, a younger player coming up, and he was prone to the old brain fade and uh, was pretty uh, flamboyant in the the way he expressed himself. Uh, do you, uh, and what have you been learning from him and how do you enjoy him as a person, but also his captaincy? Yeah, well, when I got to the club, um, I reckon my first two years, everyone back home, their first question would just be, oh, what's James Sisley yeah. like? Like, what's he like? And um, when I'd tell him that he actually is just a big kid and loves gaming um, and things like that, they're actually a bit shocked. So, yeah, I think that's what I've taken away from him. He's just his own person and especially now as our captain, um, it would have been easy for him to try and just be someone he's not and be that conventional captain. But the way that he's been able to just be true to himself and the way he talks to us is just really genuine and I think um, that's why he's so impactful as our captain. He's the ultimate competitor as well. That's the thing that I think people confuse the blow-ups with rather than looking at it going, well, this bloke cares because he just wants to win. Yeah, I think that's it. I've said a few times that he just would do anything for us to win and he's had some games this year where he's probably single-handedly got us across the line even on the weekend. He was massive for us as well, so... Yeah, just his competitive nature is really inspiring. You've just ticked off 50 games yourself. Congratulations. Moving forward, are you looking at leadership roles? You strike me as the kind of guy and the way you play, but also your presence as someone that would be suited to a role like that? Yeah, I think so. I think early on I was probably looking to leadership a little bit too much and probably try to fast track that. And I probably saw that my performance wasn't um, where it needed to be. So this year especially, um, I focused on my role for the team and um, playing well and naturally that is leadership first and from there I'll look to try and expand on my leadership from there but let it happen a bit more organically. Have you got like an emerging leaders program at the Hawks? Yeah, we do. Um, there's a group, I think, of six of us. Yep. Um, Rob McCartney is running that out, GM of football, and he's great with us and gives us a lot of belief and um, with such a young group that we've got, he, yeah, makes us believe that it's our team and we need to push us forward. Who are some of the other names for all the Hawks fans who are listening and we're going to look to the future of what this leadership group will probably transition hopefully for the next five to ten years? Who are some of the other names in there with you? Yeah, so we got um, John Newcomb, Carl Amon, Harry Morrison, um, James Warple, um, Connor Nash, oh, I reckon I'm forgetting one or two others, but yeah, there's some of the names that are in there and um, yeah, it's been nice that amongst that group we've been able to play a pivotal role this year and performing well. Absolutely. You speak of you taking care of your own performance. I went through the numbers. So you've had one game under 20 possessions, 12 of them over 25 and the rest, which I think are to make it six or seven lay in between that. That is a hell of a consistent year. Is there anything you've done over the pre-season? Did you get super fit, change of role? Where does that come from? Yeah, I think this pre-season was the most I've been able to do and it was almost a full pre-season and in the past it's been very interrupted. So 
straight away when I've got more confidence in my body, that does help a lot. But also just my training standards went up to another level. Um, had a chat with Sam at the end of last year after a year that I wasn't happy with um, and we knew that I could play at a better level and he sort of just questioned me about my training standards and someone who was still quite young and naive probably thought that I was doing everything I could but um, this pre-season I was able to yeah take it to another level and I think it's led to some better performances. Usually with the young players when that idea is floated there's a name that they say look if you want to go see what professionalism is about go tag on to him for a period of time. Did that happen through the preseason? Did you work closely with one of the older boys? Yeah, well, probably not one of the older boys, but Dylan Moore is one at our club who just, his training standards are elite and it's been nice that I've been living with him and I get to follow him out around a lot more closely. Um, but he's won every training session. He's just going to the nth degree to be as impactful, but also just get better as quick as possible. So it's been nice to follow him. What's the living arrangement like? Is it a fun house? Is it is he serious? Is, what's a, is there Uber Eats coming every night? <laughs> what sort of the setup? No, nah, so I'm living with Maury and then I've got one of my best mates over from Adelaide. He's living with us as well. So um, between the three of us, there's a bit going on. We're always playing indoor cricket or yes. um, they've been playing the AFL game on the PlayStation quite a bit as well. So there's always something going on, but yeah, we've got a good mix of fun, but yeah, we, we do all right around the house as well. Honesty in this question, who do you pick to play for when you play the AFL game? Do you pick the Hawks or do you go for a different side? Oh, our ratings aren't great. Yeah, well, this is what I mean. Are you loyal um, to the gaming or are we going for a, a Melbourne or a yeah, Collingwood? No, I'm definitely going for someone like even a Brisbane's got some pretty good right. ratings so yeah. yeah I'd probably go the Lions <laughs> <laughs> that, that is good father the Dill Moore is there a vice captain at your footy club yeah vice captain this as year, a, yeah. a young kid but that core group of players you have and we'll touch in the next segment about how good you guys were against the pies but it seems like the reliance not so much now on the older blokes and there's not as many left that probably being Sicily your Bruce and your Wingard you guys carrying the mantle and pushing that up has almost meant that they can play better footy as just almost spare parts? Yeah, I think we've had a massive emphasis on getting the weight of numbers and um, we've started to be able to see that this year um, with some other guys stepping up as well. So Warps is back to his best footy as well. John Newcomb, Connor Nash has gone to another level as well. So when you have these guys who are picking up the load and then someone like Sis who still does have his massive games but we don't need to rely on that nearly as much this year. So, yeah, spot on. Hawks fans will be happy to hear that. Hey, mate, uh, hang around. We've got plenty more to chat through. I want to get into the little bit of the handover stuff, the nitty-gritty of Sam Mitchell and, of course, Alistair Clarkson. This is the Footy Talk podcast. If you have a question, get on the Instagram at footytalk underscore pod or TikTok at footytalkpod and you can ask us whatever you want. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you're listening on Spotify, hit the bell in studio with the Young Hawks superstar, Will Day. Now, Will, you spoke about Clarko before and then as a moving on, a succession plan, if you will, Sam Mitchell has come in. Talk about for you how that handover was was for you, I guess, and internally from the footy club because it looked a touch messy from the outside world. 
Yeah, when Sam came back and um, he was coaching Box Hill, I think we all knew that was the plan and a bit of a succession plan. So um, he was coaching away in the twos and Clarko was obviously coaching the AFL side. And um, even then, like our Box Hill team would have this really attacking game plan and then Clarko would be um, a bit more defensive and naturally that's been the way he's coached in his career. So... Yeah, there was a bit of altering messages um, through there. Um, but, yeah, together they were still working really well together. And then when um, it all got announced, and I think the initial plan was that Clarko was still going to hang around and um, they'd sort of get a joint thing going on. And That's never going to work. Yeah, I think everyone could sort of see yeah. that. And I think they knew that yeah. as well. But that, I think they were just trying to find the best way for the club. Um, and in the end... I uh, came to the decision that just get Sam in and um, yeah so from the outside it probably looked a bit more messy than what it actually was we still got to send Clark off in the right way internally um, we've obviously still got so much respect for him and none of that changed so I think from the outside it probably looked a bit more messy than what it was. I think for Hawthorne fans who may have been questioning it at the time they can sit there and look right now and say, hey, this is an exciting future for the Hawks. So where you're coming from, it's might not be the long rebuild like some are picking. The offensive game style, how do you go and, and how is Sam's messaging in and around? Let's go helter-skelter because I think the other week against Port, you had 100 more handballs or whatever and got smoked. Is it still the balancing act of trying to find when you can go fast versus defending the ground, setting it up and learning all of the new teachings I guess he has to bring to you? Definitely I think there's going to have to be a balance involved and the coaches have identified that as well and initially when we did just want to play the most attacking we could um, it worked really well for us but then it showed that when it didn't work we'd get burnt quite badly so I think now um, we still that's our DNA we still want to be an attacking team but we're definitely getting um, some more plays up our sleeve and just different modes of play um, so then when it isn't going our way we don't just crumble and we can still actually hold on and gain momentum back. What about your own position? So you played a bit, little bit of wing but now more on ball. Where do you see yourself going because I've got a philosophy about you bastards who go on board above six foot two and a half, six foot three that is really unfair for us little six foot midgets so where do you lie there? Yeah, so as a junior, I was inside mid and everyone grew and got a bit bigger, but I just stayed very skinny. Yeah. So um, I ended up getting pushed to the halfback and wing. Um, for my school side, I was playing centre halfback. So I think that actually worked in my favour and I was able to learn like my marking increase because of that and just reading the play as well. So um, even playing backline when I first got in was good. I wasn't ready to go in the midfield, so... I think the plan was always for me to get back into the midfield. It was just when. Um, and, yeah, probably the two ankle injuries I did have probably has helped me in the long run at the time. I probably didn't think that. But, yeah, to get my body now to a position through that period and then a few other pre-seasons, um, it was nice to get back in and I definitely see myself as a mid are you talking in terms of putting on size with the, the ankle issue in the gym? Yeah, I got to just focus on some things that I wouldn't have if I was playing. Yep. So upper body strength, um, just get a lot more of a foundation. I came in just with no real base. Um, I'd have to wait in gym sessions on the bench press from all to go first because 
I couldn't even do the 60 kilos with just the 20s on each end. Don't, so. don't worry, mate. I got one RM out on my first day yeah, of the pies. So yeah. us skinny blokes need to stick together. Yeah, so I reckon my three <laughs> rep max was 55. Um, and it's it, demoralizing, oh, isn't it? It was shocking. <laughs> so um, it's been nice to get that up. And What are you pushing yeah. around now? Oh, Have you cracked the ton? I cracked the ton. Yes. Um, yeah, the other week. So got the 100 and... Trying to keep going there, so um, came for this preseason as well, just to keep going. Is the ankle all good? Yeah, ankle's fine now. Um, it was pretty annoying after that initial break, having the second episode that year, and I think it did cast a bit of doubt in my mind whether this would be an ongoing issue, but yeah. um, we took it pretty conservatively, and it chewed into a lot of that preseason, um, which is why, yeah, last year my body just wasn't at the level it needed to be. Which obviously makes it bloody tough to do what you want to do. Consistency at this level is the key to, as you say, a good preseason lets you produce performances like this. We touched on Luke Bruce before. Is there a little story from the weekend when you were walking off with him and might have said something about this being the best game ever and he looked at you and corrected you? Yeah, well, that's obviously my favourite win in my very short career compared to his. And I sort of just raised the question. I was like, oh, where does that rate in yours? Because I was asking a few of the boys and they're like, oh, like top five, top yeah. three. Um, and he just looks at me and just said, oh, like, if I'm being honest, mate, I've had a few better ones. <laughs> and I said, oh, top 50. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. How many premierships has he won? Three? Three, Three yeah. times, so yeah. he's, yeah. He's, he's playing some Plenty good footy, 42 yeah. goals on the year, kicking six the other week. Yeah, he just goes under the radar and he just kicks goals and his forward craft obviously was such a career he's had and um, just the little things he does is pretty special. Sammy Mitchell, now the coach standalone. How uh, and what do you think are his greatest strengths for coaching you guys? I saw a little clip on the Instagram of him breaking down some moments and almost having the players guess, you know, on the ground where it was. What is, in your opinion, his greatest strengths as a coach? Yeah, I think initially just the belief he puts in such a young group and I think that's really important because if we didn't feel like we were empowered, um, it'd be such a different story with such little experience out in the field. So we need to feel like we belong out there um, and he does a great job of doing that. And I think just his progression of um, relationship building as well. Um, yeah, I think initially when he started um, with Box Hill and things like that, he was still... From his playing days, I heard he was very harsh and um, yep. his feedback was very strong, which, don't get me wrong, he still has that. But now I think he's got a much better balance of having that strong feedback but also that love. And, um, yeah, when you have such a good relationship, as we all do, when he does give you that tough feedback, you know it's from a place of um, care. So, yeah, they're probably the two things. It's... Obviously, was on show on the weekend, and we do have to talk about it. The Hawks absolutely touching up my pies. And for all the people who have been listening and saying, when are you going to talk about it? The time is now, so enjoy this next three minutes before I wrap the boy up. Unbelievable game. The planning that went in, um, the Nick Dacos tag really worked. You, you better talk about it than me, but what a game of footy from your point of view. Yeah, it was really exciting for us going into it. The top team, um, it was going to be a great test to see where we were at. Was that spoken about in the lead-up? Yeah, definitely. We didn't shy away from it, and we yeah did the opposite and really spoke about it. Such a big occasion. 
Um, there was going to be a big crowd, and we knew that, yeah, whatever the game was going to be, it's the pies, it's always going to be tough. So, yeah, I think we really spoke about it, and, yeah, there was a lot of pressure, a lot of nerves. Um, it's probably the most nervous I've been for a game. Right. And then Sam talking about the Dacos tag, it was in the media. So we went in um, knowing it was a big occasion and for us to stand up and do what we did was, yeah, pretty cool. You get to quarter time in a commanding position. Is it more of the same? Is that what Sam's asking for? Yeah, it's um, looking at the scoreboard, they had missed some easy goals as well. So we definitely weren't sitting there saying how good are we? And I think that was the same at each break. We just kept saying we need to keep playing the way we are and if we slip up, we know they just come back and win close games. Yeah, I'm just having a look here at the scores in this one, breaking it down quarter by quarter. So at quarter time, you guys were 4-2 to 0-3, which is a nice start, three misses from the Pies. Then at halftime, it's 6-4 to 4-5. So it feels like the arm wrestle is starting to get closer to even or even seeming like it's in their favour. Yeah, in that second quarter they were coming and I ended up going behind the ball um, for a bit just to slow their momentum down and it was nice that we were able to because they were coming pretty hard and um, in our heads it's like, wow, Collingwood, they, this is what they do, they're coming. Yeah. So, yeah, it was nice to still be ahead at half time. You go into the third quarter, a six-goal to four term. So you're leading the premiership fancies, the top team on the ladder at three-quarter time. The stats of how much they come back from when they're behind at three-quarter time, everyone knows. And I think everyone sat there with anticipation, if you're not a Hawks fan and trepidation if you are, as to here it goes again. Take us inside your three-quarter time huddle and what the players were saying, but probably most importantly what the coach was saying. Yeah, Sam came in and he could have gone one of two ways. He could have just had a bit of false optimism and um, said, oh, we're doing well, boys, blah, blah, blah. But he knew on everyone's minds, like two weeks earlier, we're in the same position against Richmond. They come back and get us done real late. So it's on everyone's minds and he just came in and said the whole country, everyone watching, um, they're just saying that Collingwood have come back. So yeah, let's just go out and play our way and um, prove everyone wrong. So, yeah, it was nice for him to address it and I think it took a bit of pressure off everyone when he did say it. Because not only did you go on and win the game, I think you outscored them as well there in the last quarter. So it was a, a dominance that we haven't really seen from the young Hawks, but no doubt that gives you confidence for not only the rest of this season because you can always salvage something from seasons, but pre-season and the optimism going to next year as well. Yeah, I think it was our first genuine four-quarter performance this year and we've had some other good wins but probably had a bit of lapses in those games as well. So to have that this game against the top team, um, it gives us a lot of momentum and hopefully these last three weeks we can get another few wins and um, really go into the preseason with a bit of momentum. It starts this weekend with the dogs down in Tassie. Do you enjoy it down at Tassie? I played a couple of games down there. Very, very cold this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> no, we do like it down there. we got a pretty good winning rate oh, down right. there as yes, well. That helps. So, um, that helps. But, yeah, we feel pretty comfortable down there. We love it down there, so should be good. Yeah, the dogs are a side inside the top eight at the minute with finals on the line. Is there a little bit from your point of view about being the party pooper and a chance to take a few scalps on the way home and interrupt a few plans? Yeah, definitely. We've well, we've essentially got nothing to lose these last three weeks, so we can go out and um, really have a 
emphasis on just trying to play the best we can and find different ways to beat good teams. We've got a pretty hard fixture, including that Collingwood game. So this experience from these last three games are going to be pretty important for us. And we're not just crawling to the end and waiting for the season to be done. We're really looking forward to these three games. You come up against Marcus Bontempelli, who's now the Brownlow favourite. Is there a chance you'll be running alongside the great man? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I've always looked up to the Bont. Um, he's been my favourite player since I was real young. So, um, yeah, it'll be cool running around with him earlier this year. Um, going up against him is just he's a different beast inside he's massive and just explosive as well so yeah it would be pretty cool is there pinch me moments like that when you you've played the 50 games so it's obviously ticking along nicely but you still come up against a few people and go shit there was a time five years ago where I was you know idolizing you and now I'm sitting here trying to stop you from doing anything and taking you on head to head there's probably not many, but I'd say Bond's definitely one. Um, and then guys like Buddy Franklin and a few others, you just look and you're just like, wow, these guys are pretty special. It's such a cool thing. Hey, we are an interactive podcast, so we do put it out to the people. If you do have a question, get us on Instagram at footytalk underscore pod or TikTok at footytalkpod. Sarah from our Instagram says, do you have a mentor at the club? Yeah, so this year, Adrian Hickmott, um, one of our assistant coaches, he's been really good for me. Um, it's my first year with him as my mentor, and he's been awesome, just um, like what I said about Sam, but just instilling that belief in me, and um, we'll watch some vision, and he just pushes me to do things that I probably don't think I could do, especially earlier this year, and um, whether that's taking the game on or just playing to my strengths, he's been awesome for me and just every week just being really consistent about my development. Love that. Brian from Instagram, what would you be doing if you weren't playing footy? Yeah, I'd, I don't know. It's hard because as soon as you get drafted... Um, was that the dream always? It. Like yeah. That was the, the one goal? It was the dream. It probably wasn't a reality until my under-18s year. Um, I was a bit... Under the radar and a bit far from it early on. Didn't really make any state teams or anything. So I was still going to school studying as if I wasn't going to be drafted. And I initially, engineering was probably the thing that I wanted to get into. Um, but then, yeah, in my year 12 and uh, my 18th year, it all sort of came pretty quickly. And yeah, the dream played out. So you're talking engineering, currently doing IT. What sort of TR or enter score did you get? Uh, I was 88, um, so it was a pretty tough year 12. Talk about overachiever, star footballer, 88. Yeah, it was was a pretty tough year 12 just with um, a few of the subjects were pretty tough and then all the footy commitments as well. So it was nice to sort of get that done and then, yeah, play out my dream in footy. Well, that is awesome. For reference, I got 33.6. So I had a few more (laughs) eggs in the footballing basket. I didn't really have a backup plan, so I'm... Glad that worked out. Hey, mate, thank you so much for joining us on the Footy Talk Pod. It's been a great chat with you and from everyone here, but everyone across the AFL, we're really excited to watch you continue to flourish and all the best with what's to come. Awesome. Thanks, Daisy. That's been the Footy Talk Pod for today. Tomorrow, Joey and Kate continue the previews for what's going to be a massive round of footy. Listener.